Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. LinkedIn Jobs uses knowledge of both hard and soft skills to match you with the people who fit your role the best. Post a job today at linkedin.com slash fool and get $50 off your first job post. It's Thursday, July 25th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, Jim Mueller, investor at large. Thanks for being here. Hey, Chris. How are you doing? I'm good. We've got airlines. We've got automotive. We've got video streaming. We're going to start with the social network. Facebook's second quarter profits came in higher than expected. Daily active users are closing in on 1.6 billion. There's always so many numbers with Facebook. What stood out to you in this quarter? What stood out to me was the uh, the announced settlement with the FCC, actually. And FCC or FTC? F, which is FTC. I'm sorry, yeah. FTC. I always get those you know academic. What? It's US understandable. <laughs> there are a few regulatory bodies that are sniffing around Facebook. Yeah. Uh, so expectations for revenue were about sixteen and a half billion. Facebook reported sixteen point nine, up about twenty eight percent year over year. They beat uh, adjusted earnings guidance uh, estimates by twelve cents, reporting a dollar ninety nine. Two point seven billion monthly users across its suite of apps. Uh, U.S. and Canada daily users up slightly. Europe was flat, about two ninety million. Uh, but the, what, what kind of surprised me was the revenue per user. The average revenue per user was up 18% to over $7 per user. <laughs> so, I mean, so there, there's a lot of incentive to get a lot of users on, 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 onto Facebook's platform, and that's part of the issue. Well, and as we've talked about before, all you have to do is go to any Advertising trade publication, you know, just do a Google search, a new search for, you know, chief marketing officers of major uh, brands, major corporations. Facebook is delivering for advertisers. And when that changes, then I think, and I don't want to discount the, you know, across the river where there's a number of regulatory bodies that are. Looking into Facebook, I mean that—that that is something that is going to have real costs, not just in terms of fines, but in terms of lawyers and staff hours and all of that. That's that. I don't want to discount that, but I think that as long as the advertisers are happy with the way Facebook is delivering for them, then this is not a business in trouble. No, not really. And and really, uh, Facebook is a lot of this is Facebook's own. Own fault. The, the 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 settlement, the five billion dollar settlement, which sounds like a lot of money, and it is, but Facebook brought in sixteen billion dollars in revenue in just three months. Five billion payout. They've already reserved set aside three billion, and they have almost fifty billion on the books. So it's it's not going to really hurt them. It's three point three months of free cash flow for goodness sake. Um, but the the whole thing was over Facebook breaking. Previous promises about not doing bad things, and I mean, they've long been turning users into product, and they had promised to stop sharing user data, but they didn't, and they had promised to stop using phone numbers for advertising purposes, and they didn't, and all this other stuff, and so they're they're uh, kind of shooting themselves in the foot. But as as uh, uh, that seven dollars per user number points out, there's a lot of money driving that kind of behavior, and. Whether Facebook can pivot to where they can satisfy regulators, satisfy their users about privacy concerns, and still make an equal large, equally large amount of money is a big issue for the company, and we're going to have to see how that plays out. And over the last two years, they've done a better job of monetizing 
Instagram. Right. Instagram and WhatsApp, and um, I don't know what all they have. Uh, Messenger, that's or is that the name of it? Their instant yeah. messaging app. Um, but yeah, they're and they're uh, they're uh, gung ho on stories. There's uh, more people uh, turning to stories, and they'll figure out how to monetize that. But um, I, I I don't have a Facebook account partly because I don't trust the company. Uh, and I think that is a, a potential issue for the company if they can't if they continue to uh, say one thing and do another. Uh, I don't know. I don't think that'll destroy the company, but it might make advertisers uh, start looking elsewhere if they if the company's uh, reputation gets bad, damaged badly enough. Shares of Tesla are down 13% this morning after Tesla's second quarter loss was bigger than expected. Their revenue was also a little bit light. This has long been one of those businesses uh, that you sort of feel like, well, if the if the revenue number was higher, then then maybe the stock isn't dropping the way it is. But um, there's there just seemed like a lot of challenges on a lot of fronts, and as has been the case for a couple of years now with Tesla, the clock is ticking. Definitely ticking. And okay, I'm going to say up front, I'm actually short Tesla, the company, uh, via options. Uh, but and I'm not short because I hate Tesla or I hate Musk and I want them to fail and I'm cheering all their all their troubles. No, I think the company is fundamentally in trouble, and uh, they they're well. Oh, for example, um, they they uh, were ballyhooing the uh, six hundred and what six hundred fourteen million dollars of free cash flow they generated this quarter. But where did that free cash flow come from? Well, they they. Uh, uh, spent capex, capital expenditures, investments in equipment and such, less than half of what they depreciated. They're not even maintaining, spending enough to maintain what they have, and they drew down inventory by some four hundred fifty million dollars. That is also not sustainable, and it's not what a growing company needs to do. They need to invest not only to maintain the equipment, but to buy more equipment to keep on growing. And if you're not doing that, you're not going to be a growing company. Uh, and then, in addition, they have lowered the price of uh, their Model 3s, which is supposed to be the, uh, the, the car that is going to uh, drive them forward, pun intended. And, um, and, but, but the question is, have they lowered it too much? Is it, um, have they lowered the cost of making those things uh, at the same rate, uh, percentage-wise, as they've lowered uh, the, the, the selling price? And probably not, because the margin's gone down. And uh, so, once you lower the price, it's really hard to raise it back up. And so, how how are you are you uh, selling cars for less than they cost to make? And if you are, that's totally not sustainable. Uh, thank you for sort of going into the la that level of depth because I think it's I think it's important. Like, look, name me a CEO out there who's more of a um, sort of hot button uh, leader than Elon Musk. I, d I don't really think there's anyone else out there who, <laughs> no. who you know people no. have strong opinions about. And so when you essentially back Musk out of the equation, and we'll get back to him in a second, but when you back him out of the equation and you just look at where is the money going with this business? Just put aside whatever you think about Elon Musk and look at what are they doing in terms of spending money? What are they what, what direction are their margins are going in, you know, all that sort of thing. And you you pull back from that, and you just see a lot of a lot of things that you don't want to see. And I forget which analyst said it this morning. There was there were a bunch of analyst notes that came out this morning, and um, 
I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. I think it might have been Morgan Stanley, but it was it was essentially there's just not a lot to like in this quarter, and right. you know, referring to a lot of the things that you just referred to. Right. Um, so they had they they want to launch the Model Y, right, which is the, n- the next generation of their car, but that requires production spending ahead of the actual building of the cars because they have to get the plant to build the Y, and if the Model Three is using up all their capacity already, and it is, uh, then where are they going to build the Y? And so and if you lower your free cash flow, or I'm sorry, if you lower your capital expenditure spending. You're not building plant to build this new Y, and then how can you rely upon the Y coming in and helping the company grow further? So, yeah, there's a lot of questions aside from management and aside from uh, electric cars saving the world and everything else. I mean, aside from all that emotional stuff, just looking at the numbers uh, raises a lot of questions. And yet, and we'll just wrap up with this, because it's Elon Musk leading the company and his ability (laughs) In the past, to raise money, to pull a rabbit out of a hat, you know that sort of thing. It's like um, this is this is why I wouldn't short the stock. That's just me. You're a more experienced investor than I am. You're a better well, maybe investor. I'm a stupider investor than you. <laughs> you're a better investor than I am, and you're certainly more experienced with options. Um, so. Uh, but it, but it is going to be interesting to see. As I said, the clock is ticking, and and I think in the next three months, one thing to watch is what. Conversation is there, if any, about raising money? Another, whether it's yeah. uh, another round. They or... did say they uh, they uh, felt they were uh, uh, self-sustaining now without having to raise money, but they've said that before too. And one last point I'd like to raise is Elon Musk has lost another one of his long-term lieutenants, uh, Chief Technology Officer J.P. Straubel. It uh, was announced that he was uh, leaving the company to become an advisor, but that's. Whatever that means, uh, <laughs> but he's been there since 2003, and he's one of the uh, longest-term chief-level, sea-level uh, officers to leave, and that's not that can't help Musk. Yeah, that's another narrative working against this business. Uh, American Airlines second quarter profits came in higher than expected. They raised guidance for the full fiscal year. That is the one-two punch we like to see, <laughs> and yet the. Shares of American Airlines are down about three percent. That's not falling through the floor, but I, I, I'm only slightly surprised at this. Yeah, um, it was it was a good quarter. Um, traffic, passenger traffic was up, and that's what helped drive uh, drive out this. And and uh, American Airlines raised the bottom end of their guidance. It was of uh, four to what was a four to six dollar range, and now it's four fifty to six dollar range per share for the full year. Um, they reported about twelve billion dollars in revenue, uh, basically matching expectations. That's up a little less than three uh, percent. They beat EPS guidance uh, expectations by three cents. Uh, their net income level of six hundred sixty-two million was up what 19, almost nineteen percent year over year. Uh, traffic was higher. Uh, the, the the term is passenger load factor. It's basically how many people are in the seats of all possible seats that they have, and that's eighty six point six percent. That's up three point eight percent year over year, and that's really what was driving uh, driving this. Um, and then they have uh, they have another metric. Well, I won't go into that. It's getting a little too far into the weeds. <laughs> but um, basically, uh, they've seen eleven straight quarters of revenue per. Uh, 
this metric of, of improvement, and that's that's pretty good. Uh, that that doesn't happen very often. But what's what's hurting the company and still has a lot of uncertainty, and which might be playing into the uh, share price drop this morning, is that uh, the 737 Max continues to be sitting on the tarmac, not doing not doing its job of flying around, flying people around the country and around the world. Uh, the the, air, uh, the airline has 24 in its fleet and is uh, was supposed to get seven more this quarter, uh, about 10 percent or nine percent of their uh, uh, order book of 76. Uh, but not being able to fly them hurt them to the tune of about 175 million dollars in pre-tax income this quarter, and that is about 17 percent of what they would have earned if the, if the Max was flying. And for the full year, 400 million dollars they're not getting, and that hurts. This really is uh, obviously the story of the airline industry in 2019. I think at the end of the year, when we do our look back show, um, I think this is going to be one of the dominant uh, storylines of 2019 is the Boeing 737 MAX. I was watching an interview this morning. Southwest Airlines also reported this morning. Southwest has more 737 MAXs in their fleet, which means they have more. Grounded. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a greater impact. Uh, Gary Kelly, the CEO at Southwest, was doing a very nice job, a very polite job of holding <laughs> in his frustration. But he is clearly very frustrated. If you just read a transcript of what he's, you know, when he's saying things like "We're not happy about this," um, and it's been interesting to watch over the last six months. CEOs like Gary Kelly and others go from, in the immediate aftermath of the second 737 MAX right. crash, statements of support of Boeing, trust in Boeing, and they are all starting to back away. Very slowly, they're all starting to back away, and there's no reason for them to uh, publicly negotiate with Boeing, but you have to believe that behind closed doors. Oh, there's there's uh, loud voices, I'm sure. <laughs> loud voices, possibly <laughs> some profanity, and essentially, um, you know, the, as we've said for a while now, the longer this drags on, the greater the ability of airlines in the United States to say to Boeing some version of, "What are you going to do to make me stop from going over to Airbus and right, taking exactly. my business there?" Yeah, and it's going to continue for a few more months at least. I mean, I looked up what Boeing was saying, and they're just released uh, earlier this week, and they're saying. We're still working with the FAA and other regulators. I got that one right, FAA. <laughs> <laughs> We're still working with FAA and other regulators around the world to make sure all the certifications and and the software upgrades and everything meets what the F, what everyone's asking for. And they expect to submit their final package uh, sometime in September, which me uh, which which. Could slip if if the regulators say no, you need to fix this, you need to look at that, and so on, and, and that just makes it push further out in the year. And they're saying they might be able to get the grounding lifted as early as uh, early Q4, calendar Q4, uh, this year, which puts it in October, November range. But so that means many more months, uh, three, four, five more months of uh, airlines losing money by not being able to fly those planes. Well, the good news for airlines, I guess, is that not a lot of people travel in November and December. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hiring is not as simple as putting an ad in the newspaper or posting to a job board. When you're juggling hiring with everything it takes to grow your business, it's important you reach the right candidates at the right time. And that's where LinkedIn comes in. LinkedIn does the legwork. 
to match you to the most qualified candidates so you can focus on hiring the person who's going to help transform your business. You know, on LinkedIn, members have a profile about their work history and their skills. Well, every few seconds, they're adding new skills to their profiles. They're applying to more than 30 jobs every two seconds. And that's how LinkedIn makes sure that your job post gets in front of people with the right hard skills and the right soft skills to meet your role requirements. You can get $50 off your first job post by going to linkedin.com slash fool. That's linkedin.com slash fool for $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Quick shout out to our man Willie down in Norfolk, Virginia. Hang in there, Willie. Also, shout out to our man behind the glass. Well, our man behind the glass is producer Dan Boyd, producer extraordinaire. But joining him today, also one of our members, Desmond Walker, hanging out with us. Desmond, thank you so much for being here. Um, real quick before we wrap up, I, I said the other day, this is my favorite week of the year, and it happens four times a year because so many companies are reporting. Comcast came out with their second quarter report, and I was struck not necessarily by their results, but <laughs> by the fact that Comcast, which owns NBC Universal, they said April 2020, that's when the NBC streaming service is going to launch. They provided virtually no other details beyond that, and I don't blame them. But I'm curious because you're someone who keeps a close eye um, on the streaming video industry, right. and I said this to you this morning. It's it's really turning into a rock fight right now. I mean, there are just more well, companies coming out. There's what do you what do you see when you look at streaming right now? I don't think the rocks being thrown around are very big. <laughs> okay, <laughs> at least against the uh, at least against the three giants. Okay, so uh, last month I went uh, went up to New York overnight uh, to attend the Kagan Media Summit for 2019, and they presented a really interesting chart of of the streamers. Okay, if you put, if you put out a bar chart of the streaming uh, the streaming channels out there, Netflix, Amazon, uh, WWE, all, all them, all of them, you've got three big ones uh, for the U.S. Okay, Amazon about sixty three million bar this uh, I don't know two feet wide. <laughs> For for our non visually, I was going to say you know it's an audio podcast. <laughs> yes, right? I know. I just remembered that. <laughs> uh, Netflix pr pretty close at fifty eight million in the U S. Hulu about twenty three million, so about half the other two, and then you have to kind of squint to see everything else. HBO now is the biggest at a little over six million, one tenth of what Amazon has, and then it goes down from there. Showtime four million, CBS All Access four million, Stars three and a half. Crunchyroll, an anime one, a favorite of mine and my wife's, one and a half. WWE, I'm sorry, Crunchyroll? Crunchyroll, yeah. Okay. Anime, it's it's good stuff. No, I know what anime is. I've just never heard of Crunchyroll, but yeah. go on. Now you have. Uh, and WWE Network, one million. And they have even, even smaller ones. And so there's a lot of little ones out there and a few big giants. And... NBC Universal, yeah, they're going to get the office when it when the deal with Netflix expires at the end of 2020, which means listeners, if uh, our dozens of listeners, you have another 18 months to binge it on Netflix. Um, and but that's the story in, in the news. The office is leaving. Netflix is going down in flames. Friends too. Friends too. Big deal. That's 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 Reed Hastings. Uh, response pretty much because they have a lot of other content they feel is good enough to keep people coming in and and that is what's really driving everything who has content you want to watch will NBC Universal have I mean they'll have the office of course but they also said they're gonna have to get a lot of third-party content at least at the start to, to fill to fill uh, the streaming 
the streaming uh, pipes. Promise me you're going to go to this same event in a year, because in a year we'll have they will presumably present data that includes Disney Plus, Apple TV Plus. Um, we will by then know what NBC's plan is for their streaming service. They will have launched by then, or at least that's their plan. Right. Um, you know, good luck to them if they haven't launched by them. Um, so we'll have more information. No, and I agree with you. I mean, I. I think the the concerns for Netflix in the short term are being overblown. I think that if you look out over the next five to ten years, um, that's you know that, that's where the the greater risk lies. There's going to be um, several winners, big winners, a hand, uh, quite a handful of smaller winners, and quite possibly a fair amount of consolidation. Once once it all shakes out and and uh, the cost of running a streaming service and paying for all the content and not being able to make it up on the revenue, I mean Disney, their Disney Plus, they expect to lose money on Disney Plus for several years, but they have everything else Disney does to support that. That's what Netflix did when they did the streaming. They had the DVD by mail business. Remember that? Now that's that was a big cash cow for them, and they use that to support their streaming. And then once they got the streaming going, and it's now profitable in the U.S. and Canada, and they would use that profitability to support the next launch. And that's what uh, and, and, and NBC Universal Comcast is going to have to support uh, whatever they're calling it, Universal. I don't, I don't know. Did they give a name? I uh, I want to say it's NBC Universal Plus, but I could be wrong about that. I'm just, look. I'm just assuming everyone's but, adding a plus. I'm assuming there's a plus in there somewhere. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, but uh, they're going to have to suffer through one, two, three years of. Uh, not making money before they can make money off of just the streaming service. And if you don't have the, the backing of something else to support you, you're not going to make it very far and you'll be gobbled up by somebody else. And even if you do, if it's really small and you only have like a million members, uh, you might still might be gobbled up. It's going to be fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Jim Mueller, thanks for being here. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.